0: Well, good morning and God bless you, New Community Covenant Church. Uh, It is Pastor Mike Thomas here, all the way live in Seattle, Washington. Uh, It is good to greet you all. Uh, I am so honored uh, and happy to be here. Uh, Before I get started, uh, I do want to just mention uh, I am living, my family and I uh, currently live in Seattle, Washington, uh, but Chicago is our hometown. Uh, We always miss and love Chicago, and so uh, it is a blessing to be with you all in this special and unique way as we continue to live in these crazy times uh, during this pandemic. Uh, Let me also just give honor uh, to the angel of this house uh, at New Community, uh, our pastor, Pastor Peter Hong. I do say our pastor. uh, For those who may not know, uh, my family, my wife, Kimberly, uh, our son, uh, Jeremiah, Uh, Abigail, our daughter, and Gideon. Uh, We actually were attendees, uh, a part of a new community, uh, Covenant Church, uh, some several years ago before we made our transition out here to Seattle in 2013. Uh, Prior to that, for three years, we were faithful attendees. Uh, I like to say honorary members. We were this close to going through membership, Uh, but our lives were blessed beyond measure. Uh, being a part of New Community Covenant Church, I'm gonna be brutally honest with you. Uh, I have I'm one of those people who grew up in the church, uh, but it was only uh, until I came and my family came uh, to New Community Covenant Church that we first get that we get our first experience of what it felt like to be a part of a truly kingdom-minded uh, community. Uh, if it was not for Newcom. Uh, I don't think that uh, the way we have seen um, the church that God has called us to plant, Radiant Covenant Church, I don't think it would exist uh, and experience the things we have seen God do in the life of our church, in the seven year cycle of our church, uh, had not we been um, uh, uh, inaugurated or kind of soaked up uh, new community covenant church under uh, Pastor Peter's leadership and his preaching, Uh, uh, Carlton uh, who in my opinion is the greatest worship leader on the planet and um, just the whole community that came around us at Newcom we just love you guys so much we are so grateful uh, uh, for the kingdom impact of your church you may not know it or not a lot of times uh, children who are spoiled in a good way have no idea how amazing their home is Uh, without having someone outside of it speak to it, but I just want to strongly affirm uh, that you are a part of a kingdom-minded church. We still consider ourselves a part of the New Community family, and uh, we praise God uh, for all that you have done for us and for those who have experienced so many opportunities to feel the ripple effect of what God is doing specifically in New Community Covenant Church. And so again, um, I just say, God bless you. I greet you with the love of the Lord. Um, and I am grateful uh, to be with you all today. Um, let's go right into the word. I'm excited. Uh, again, uh, my name is Mike Thomas. I pastor Radiant Covenant Church uh, here in Seattle, Washington. Radiant is approximately seven years old as a church plant. Uh, we are an intentionally multi-ethnic community. Uh, specifically, our demographics of our church uh, hinges largely around uh, being African-American, uh, Anglo or Euro uh, descent and Asian across the board uh, are our three uh, almost equally represented um, uh, uh, mosaics within our church community. And so, um, again, it's just a, a blessing to be with you all uh, this coming September, just so you know. Uh, My wife and I, Kimberly, um, on September 9th, we'll be celebrating 20 years of marriage. Can you believe it? And the miracle is, y'all, she still likes me. (laughs) Glory to God. And so uh, uh, just pray for us. Uh, We are excited. Our oldest son is 19. Um, Our middle child, Abby, is 16. And Gideon is 14. And all that means is we no longer own our house. We're the roommates. These kids run it. Y'all pray for us because they keep eating us out of house and home. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's our story. We're sticking to it. And again, I believe God has a good word for us, and I'm just eager and excited to share it with you. So, um, if you have your Bibles, however you do it, whatever your format, uh, whether you're old school, praise the Lord, you actually have a Bible with pages that turn. You could join me or if you have a, a tablet or a smartphone, however, you have the kingdom's constitution, I'm going to encourage you to pull it out now. Join me in the gospel of John chapter number 14. Uh, as you're preparing to turn there, uh, I'll let you know, uh, as I was uh, excited to receive this invite to speak, uh, our church since last September took on its largest um Um, A series that we've ever done as a church with a commitment to go through the gospel of John for one year. And uh, I'm so excited we've been in there. I cannot even begin. I would take up all my time if I uh, even begin to scratch the surface on how God has profoundly Uh, met us as a church and spoke such relevant words week after week, even when the pandemic got for real uh, late February, early March and continuing on uh, has God miraculously given us a timely word every week uh, as we commit to pursuing uh, what it means to go deeper uh, to have true life in Jesus um, through the Gospel of John. And I believe as the Lord has uh, arrested my heart and soul Uh, on the issues of Jesus and justice. This passage of scripture uh, that God has given me in the gospel, I think uh, just speaks timely to us. So we're actually gonna look at two pieces of scripture as a matter of fact, John chapter 14, uh, and then we're gonna look at a verse in Micah chapter six. And so I just ask for you to pray uh, for me uh, as I share God's word in this unique format and I'm praying for you. Uh, that your hearts and ears will be open to receive what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. John chapter 14, verse uh, 15 through 31. So we're going to read a little bit, um, but I'm believing I'm talking to some church folks, so that's all right. John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. And the Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking, just so you know. John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. The Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments, listen to this, and keep them are those who love me. Verse 21, let me repeat that again. Jesus said, they who have my commandments, and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, that you know which Judas this is, Judas said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word. And my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, You would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. Verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. Jesus says, but don't get it twisted. He has no power over me. Is that good news to anybody? But I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. John 14, verses 15 through 31. And then uh, I wanna read this uh, next passage that will tie into our talk this morning. Uh, Micah chapter six, verse eight. Very popular passage of scripture. You may already know it. Micah six, eight. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require or command of you but to do justice and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Can you say amen for the reading of the word of God, for the people of God? Thanks be to God. You all, I wanna pray Uh, But before I pray, let me just kind of share with you uh, the title of my sermon this morning. Uh, And it is literally entitled LMDJ, which is an acronym, LMDJ. My topic is, if you love Jesus, then love mercy and do justice, amen. Uh, Let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church typed, amen. (laughs) Amen, I know y'all, this is crazy how we are doing church. We can't say, say amen, but we can ask you to type amen. Again, for those of you who may not remember me from several years ago, I want to encourage and remind you, if you haven't guessed already, I am black. Amen. I am proud to be an African-American, which means I come from a rich tradition of call and response. I know that's going to be kind of impossible to do in this setting, but I believe in my spiritual imagination, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, I want to encourage you to just give me an amen. Even if you think you hear something that you may halfway agree with, I need you to give me an amen or type your amen in the chat. Or, or in the column, uh, whether this is Zoom or live stream, I can't remember, but I wanna be able to see it and read it, type amen when you hear something good. Amen, I believe you said amen, all right. LMDJ, if you love Jesus, church, then love mercy and do justice. Um, You all, uh, as I start, I also wanna just share with you uh, a little bit of some things that have happened out here recently as uh, the pastor of a multi-ethnic church, uh, a lot like new community, obviously. Um, in the wake of so much uh, unrest in the middle of a pandemic, um, its it was our privilege uh, to hear from the Lord, uh, to actually um, um, organize on a grassroots level, Um, churches throughout not only our denomination in the evangelical covenant church, but local churches here in the Washington area to come together to call out the sin of the American church firmly rooted primarily in its silence against injustice and to come together and and, in the wake of the death of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, whose criminals and murderers have still not been brought to justice. Uh, And uh, epitomized by the death of George Floyd, we came together as the church committing to the fact that the church will not be silent. And um, praise God, uh, over 46 churches and over 700 people who call on the name of Jesus met us here in downtown Renton, which is just south of Seattle, um, and overtook downtown Renton as the church. Uh, To let our voices be heard, but not only let our voices be heard in that moment, but to publicly make a commitment that we are going from moment to movement. And that these churches have made a deeper commitment to make sure that they will no longer separate Jesus from justice and to make sure that they would commit to holistic discipleship in their respective uh, communities of faith to include justice. And what does it mean to be a justice-oriented person as a follower of Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Can you type amen? And so I bring all of that up because... Uh, As we think about the reality of the loss of the murder of George Floyd on May the 25th, a 46-year-old man by the name of George Floyd was murdered. Uh, News, as you can imagine by this point, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, most of us kind of know some of the backstory that led to that horrific event uh, encapsulated in eight minutes and 46 seconds on May the 25th, the, the issue, at least what we have heard, was that it centered around the use of a counterfeit $20 bill that George may or may not have knowingly had uh, in his possession. And that led the store in which George Floyd was in, that shopkeeper, that owner of that store who uh, allegedly recognized this uh, phony $20 bill. We're talking about $20. Uh, called the police. Uh, and over this $20 confusion. um, There was an attempt to arrest, apprehend and arrest George Floyd. We all know what happened after that uh, as he did not resist arrest, as he was literally on the ground with his hands cuffed, hands cuffed behind his back. Uh, We saw one officer, but ultimately come to find out that four officers were present and culpable in his murder, where one officer specifically For eight minutes and 46 seconds held his knee and all of his weight on the neck of George Floyd. Uh, We all know that uh, George's last words on this planet was when he called out to his mom or he literally called out mama. Uh, Most of us know that George's mom was already deceased which lets so many of us know that it was an indication that George was literally making his transition from this world to be home with his mother in glory in that moment. Prior to that, we heard several times, whether you watch the video or not, we heard several times him expressing that he can't breathe. Uh, We heard the bystanders saying he cannot breathe. He's expressing he cannot breathe. And yet that did not convince that officer or the three there to uh, correct the the assailing officer to let up on George and allow him to breathe. It's interesting how we continue to see this struggle uh, and continue to be reminded of this phrase. I can't breathe. And whether you uh, acknowledge it or know it or not, uh, the reality is whether you are a Christian or you're not a Christian, the reality is our earliest understanding of breath actually comes from scripture. We understand that it was God that the Bible tells us in Genesis that after he created humanity, after he created man from the ground, the Bible says that God, that he breathed, that he ruach, that he gave man And when God breathed breath into man, he became a living nephesh or a living soul. And I bring that all up to say that breath is something that God has given. And therefore, I proclaim it should be the only person. God should be the only person qualified to take it away. Can you type a man? You all, and, and I share all of this at the onset of this message because I will confess that as black people, we are tired of the knee of white supremacy taking the breath that God uniquely has given us. Do I have anybody with me this morning? And you all, since George's murder, The world and America in particular has been reminded of America's first virus. I came to let you know that the first virus that America has ever dealt with is not COVID. It wasn't swine flu or it wasn't any kind of measles or smallpox. I want to encourage you and remind you and challenge you that this death reminded America of her first virus, which is the virus of racism. The world has therefore responded with the only vaccine it has for this injustice through worldwide protests and riots. You all know what I'm talking about, especially in Chicago. This is something that our cities share in common. We are not strangers to seeing massive protests and massive riots since the, the unjust murder rather of George Floyd. Cities have experienced the rage. From peaceful protests to literally seeing communities set on fire. Now, let me encourage some of us and remind you of some powerful and prophetic words given by the iconic Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When, when he was asked uh, in his time during the civil rights movement uh, uh, about Uh, riots. And again, uh, those in places of power looking to condemn those uh, that would riot when they would be tired of um, injustice. And Dr. King reminded America that even though he doesn't condone violence, he recognizes that riot is the language of the unheard. Huh? It speaks to the outcry for justice. Now, let me be very clear. I, Michael D. Thomas of Sound Minded Body, here confess while it is recorded on video that I speak against violence. Ephesians 4 and 26, the Bible says for us to be angry, but sin not. Now, Carlton, let me just let you know why I'm so excited about this scripture. First of all, it says be angry and sin not. First of all, I like to just admit and express, I thank God that the Bible gives me room to be angry. I thank God that the Bible says it is okay to get angry. There are certain things and there are some things that should cause a righteous anger, but it challenges us to not sin in that anger. I need to be able to express it. I need to be able to have a righteous anger, but I need to call on the name of Jesus. Huh? I need to have the strength to be able to be angry, but sin not allow that righteous anger to fuel me into righteous anger so that I can be a part of contributing to coming against or, or getting the victory over the thing that I am rightfully angry for. Does that make sense to anybody? As a matter of fact, if I could go a little further, I want to just call out and challenge us and understanding that you that it is not sin to be angry. That matter of fact, that it is not um, wrong. To be angry about things that we should be angry about. Uh, uh, If you don't believe me, I want you to take some time after this message today or throughout this week, take some time and read the 137th Psalm. Pastor Mike, why do you bring up the 137th Psalm? I'm so glad you asked. It is because it is a psalm or a song uh, that actually in uh, in this lyrics expresses the psalmist who had a deep lament, who had a deep anger of constantly sin and justice happened. And I want to say to you that if you look at the end of the 137th Psalm, it does not end politically correct. As a matter of fact, the psalmist calls, watch this, not only for their oppressors to be killed. Come on in here, Nat Turner. It was not only for a call for their oppressors to be killed, but for their children to be killed. How many of you all know that is not politically correct? But guess what? It's still in the Bible. I love, don't you love that we serve the kind of God that gives us the space and the grace to simply lament, to simply be angry at injustice and to give us the grace to know our hearts, even when we don't always articulate things in the most PG or PC or appropriate way. Is that good news to anybody? And so you all, as a pastor of a multi-ethnic church, let me be clear. That I love the whole of our Mosaic. I just don't love the black people. I just don't love the Asian people. I just don't love the people of color. I love our white sisters and brothers equally. I am an equal opportunity pastor, just like Pastor Peter. We share this in common. We love the whole of the beautiful Mosaic multi-ethnic church that God has blessed us and privileged us to serve. So I, even as I say that, I want to encourage you, at least a part of our ethos here at Radiant Church, today is no different in, my, in terms of my call to speak into the relevancy of our times as we engage our passage and topic today. Because the passion you all, the fiery passion you may be feeling for me today, you may be seeing from a lot of people of color in our world today, watch this, is not just because of the murder of George Floyd. It's because of all the Georges or the murders that George's murder encapsulates or epitomizes today. It's not just because of George, but because of Ahmaud Arbery, because of Breonna Taylor, because of Laquan McDonald, because of Eric Garner, because of Tamir Rice, because of Mike Brown, Because of Emmett Till, because of Megger Evers, because of MLK, on and on and on and on and on. Riot, protest is the language of the unheard. And people are tired of feeling like black lives truly do not matter. And so we need to talk about this and seek Jesus and scripture for guidance because the American church, listen to me clearly, the American church from chattel slavery to today has been seemingly united on Jesus, but divided on justice. And you all, the church uh, uh, needs to wake up from this heresy that they believe that there is uh and wake up from this heresy and we need to know that there is no Jesus without justice and that there is also no justice without Jesus. I'm going to say that again. We need to understand and wake up from this heresy that doesn't remember or realize that there is no Jesus without justice and there is also no justice without Jesus. And as a Christian, And as a pastor who loves the whole and entirety, again, of our multi-ethnic mosaic, I need to call this out. I need to address it and call us to become the church that Jesus means for us to be, to truly know what it means to love Jesus. You all sight is a powerful thing. Um, How we see things can literally change based on our vantage point or our perspective. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Before COVID-19, before this global pandemic, uh, one of the many, 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 many uh, blessings of living here in the Pacific Northwest is that we literally get to go to Vancouver, uh, which is under a three-hour drive. We can leave the country whenever we've had too much of America. Some of y'all will get that after the broadcast. Uh, but whenever we want to go, one of our favorite spots for me and Cam to go to is Vancouver. One of the, uh, uh, favorite things we like to do in Vancouver other than eat really good, uh, is do this challenge called the Grouse Mountain Grind, which is essentially, uh, a, a hike, if you will. I don't know why they call it a hike because it feels like rock climbing, but it's basically a two and a half mile hike literally up the side of this mountain called Grouse Mountain. And the view you get at the top of this mountain completely changes your perspective. It completely changes your vantage point. The view uh, is worth all you go through to be able to see from a higher vantage point. I'm already preaching whether you get it or not, or or to give you a different perspective. And you all, I share all that to say, when I talk about sight and in our subject today, is that we need to grow from this ground level perspective of what it means to love God and truly see love from the vantage point of Jesus. Is that making sense to anybody? As Jesus therefore is not talking uh, about this with the crowds, we need to understand that, but Jesus in our text in John 14, he's talking to his disciples. And this too is a huge challenge for the church, which is, do we know Jesus's love language? Where we are in the gospel of John, Jesus has shut down his public ministry pretty much after chapter 13 through the end of John. We no longer see Jesus in public ministry. He's not talking to everybody. He's not ministering to large crowds. He's not just handing out miracles. He's he's kind of secluded that his time is coming close to his death. He shut down his public uh, ministry and he is speaking intimately and powerfully to his church. In other words, to his disciples. At this point in John chapter 14, Jesus has graduated his disciples from milk to meat theology. You all, this is master class discipleship. And here, Jesus repeats this language of, if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus is painting an undeniable connection, family, between love for him and obedience to his commands, new community. It's interesting, I believe, therefore, that he doesn't just rattle off a series of specific commands, but Jesus seemingly purposefully leaves the the commands language in this vague and generalized space, right? And so proper study of this passage and what Jesus does here, family, is teaches us that this non-specification On which commands he means, literally or automatically means he's talking about all of them. (laughs) Furthermore, it means that Jesus is saying, listen to me clearly, if you love me, new community, keep to all that you know of me. Keep to all that I have taught you to be as disciples. Watch this, who are designed and purposed ultimately to reflect my image. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, look at what the Bible says. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the first point I wanna make, if you're taking notes, first point I wanna make, is in the form of a question, and that is this. Do we really know what love is? Do we really know what love is? Family, Jesus challenges his disciples that if we love him, we keep his commands. Faith, therefore, is keeping the commands of Jesus, and this is what it means to love Jesus. I want to let you know this morning, Newcomb, that love is not a feeling or a sensation. I know that's busting some of y'all's bubble who love romantic comedies. I get it, but I came to tell you the truth: love is not a feeling or a sensation, but love is holding on to his commands because holding to his commands is the disciple. Watch this, letting go of our selfish ambition and therefore choosing to conform to his image. Can I lovingly challenge you as if this was Radiant Church? Let me encourage you. Uh, at One of the things that we've been talking about as we go deeper into the gospel of John, we've been saying over and over again, be careful if the Jesus you serve or claim that you serve, never challenges you, never confronts you, watch this, never um, um, uh, makes you angry, never insults you, be careful, if you follow a Jesus who never hurts your feelings, who never challenges you, who never confronts you to change, here's why you should be careful, because that is not the real Jesus. You may be in a situation or you may be in uh, under a circumstance If that is your reality, where well, Jesus always makes you feel comfortable, where well, Jesus never offends you. The issue may be you may be following a Jesus conforming to your image versus you being committed to conforming to the image of Jesus. Mm. Let that sink in for a minute. Can you imagine paying top dollar for a... Uh, a gym coach or or, or a trainer, a workout trainer, and every time you go to class, the trainer says, you're all good. (laughs) Can you imagine a trainer saying, you don't need to change anything. Why would you invest in a person, watch this, who doesn't challenge you and be able to lovingly and honestly call out your shortcomings? Oh, God, I feel you in this place. So you all, Do we really know what love is? Since love, therefore, for Jesus is not in a feeling, but is seen through obedience to his commandments, the way he guides us to model his character and how we live, right? Then I wonder, in the midst of this pandemic, which I have been on record for a while since late February saying that COVID is a fire that reveals. Let me just pause right here and just kind of get some clarity. Well, we, as the church, um, there's two kind of primary fires we like to talk about or have an ideology around when it comes to the example of fire. We, we, we know about the fire that refines. Don't we love singing about that, Carlton? Oh, I want the refiner's fire. Oh, when I go through the fire, I shall come forth as pure gold. Right. We love the refiner's fire. But there's also a fire that reveals. There's a fire that refines and then there's a fire that reveals. I have been saying this pandemic continues to be on so many levels of fire that reveals. And so in that spirit, and if we understand that love for Jesus is not in a feeling, but through obedience to his commands, which guides us in how to model our character and how we live, right? That I wonder in the midst of this pandemic, which is a fire that reveals, and with these continued killings, and the devaluing of black bodies, I wonder how is the church doing in loving Jesus according to the way he defines love in this season? Mm. Essentially, the character and commands of Jesus, who is God, have never been biblically separated from justice and mercy. Now it's coming together, all right. So I came to say to you, new community, in a challenge today to ask you, do we really love Jesus? Are we keeping his commands and following his model of loving mercy and doing justice? God, I feel you in this place. So that was number one. Number two, the second point I wanna make is love does not separate Jesus, therefore, from justice. Number one was a question, do we really know what love is? Number two, if you're taking notes, is love does not separate Jesus from justice. Let me read for you John chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. Uh, Jesus said, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Jesus says to them, in a little while, the world won't see Jesus. (laughs) But Jesus is essentially telling us if we love him by keeping his commands, watch this, that the world should still be able to see him through his church. (laughs) Oh, I think you missed it. Let me repeat that. Jesus said, in a little while, the world won't see me. Can we be honest? and say, because the church is not doing what it's supposed to do, the world is still looking for Jesus. The world still don't see Jesus. Can I talk to some real people this morning? So he says, in a little while, the world won't see Jesus, but Jesus is essentially telling us if we love him by keeping his commands, watch this, that the world should still be able to see him through his church. Let me see if I can bring it home to you like this. Earlier on in this chapter, in chapter 14, Jesus has a, a disciple, a follower named Philip. Philip says, uh, Jesus, just show us the Father and we'll believe you. <laughs> I wish, we, could, we could spend a whole another sermon on the fact that Jesus still has followers who will say, just do this and then we'll believe. That's a whole nother sermon. But Philip says, hey, just show us the Father, Jesus, we're, we're, and we'll believe you, we'll be good. <laughs> Jesus said, Philip, have you not seen me? If you see me, you have seen the father. Oh my goodness. And Jesus is empowering his church, who he has called to love him by following his example to likewise be the reflection of Jesus in the earth as his church. So even though Jesus is not physically here, he is still physically here through his church, the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on, church, hallelujah. The world should see, therefore, what mercy and justice looks like through the church because we are in Jesus who embodies mercy and justice. Oh, this is good news. This is not the time for us, therefore, to sit back and ask, where is God? Because you know what? God is asking, where are you? Lord, have mercy. So Micah 6, 8, the Bible says, he has told you, O mortal, therefore, what is good? And what does the Lord command? If you love me, keep my commands. Look at Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord command or require of you but to do justice and to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a good preaching tool I learned uh, from your pastor, my pastor, Pastor Peter. uh, To be able to break down uh, popular verses. Because one thing church folk like to do, we like to take one verse and run with it and not get the whole story. So I want to break something down as Micah 6, is such a popular verse to tag. Let me challenge and encourage you. By giving you a little backdrop of what happens Between verses 1 and 7 That leads up to Micah 6 eight, And basically God has his people In the people's court uh, Yeah, they, they're in court God is bringing a lawsuit against the church Now let me tell you something right there Let me stop right there and say It's one thing to be sued by somebody That lived down the street from you Or even a family member Who? What kind of lawyer you gonna get When God gives you a lawsuit Lord have mercy. The Bible essentially telling us God got the people on trial y'all. He puts them in a lawsuit. He is reminding them of the ways that he has been a blessing to them. How he led them out of Egypt. How he gave them bread from heaven. God opened up the first old country buffet and gave them food from heaven right. God is like I've hooked you up. I've protected you. I have kept you. I've given you a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day but Before y'all was a GPS. I was your God positioning system. I was your GPS. I have kept you. I have redeemed you. I have sustained you. I have been good to you. And he's like, y'all ain't been doing nothing good for me. And he said, guess what? Just so you don't get it twisted, I don't want your stuff. I'm paraphrasing. God just said it just like that, but that's what he meant. God said, I don't want your stuff. I don't want your offerings. I don't want the, the stuff, watch this, that you can give me out of your convenience. God said, this is what I want in verse 6, uh, Micah 6, verse 8. This is what I want for you to do justice, oh, for you to love mercy, and for you to walk humbly with your God. What does God command or require for us? It's a question that gets to the core of what it means to even be in relationship with God. Basically, it's a question that basically asks us, how do we approach God? How do we truly please God? And he tells us by loving mercy, by doing justice and walking humbly. Uh, One of my uh, good friends uh, wrote in the book, Becoming a Just Church uh, by Reverend Dennis Edwards, Becoming a Just Church. Let me just give you this quote. He said, we find that passion for justice comes in waves or flares up depending on the news cycle. Is that not true? Yet God calls his people in both testaments of scripture to do justice, to love mercy and walk humbly with God. The great commandment to wholeheartedly love the Lord and love our neighbors provides the drive for Christian commitment to justice. Is that good news to anybody? Family, God wants our love and devotion to him to also be seen in how we interact with one another. One time Jesus said in Matthew 22, um, somebody was looking for a loophole of what it means to be a disciple and a follower of God. Jesus told him, you know the great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But then Jesus says, and the second, listen to this. Jesus said, and the second is just as great as the first. What was the second? And to love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, you all, it is the same God who is the advocate that spoke out in the Old Testament when we saw the first murder, the first unjust murder. Between two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain was drinking haterade. He was jealous of Abel. The Bible says he killed him. You know who shows up as the advocate? Elohim. God shows up. And what does he say? Your brother's blood calls out from the ground. Oh my God. He says, then he tells Cain. God tells Cain. Because when he calls him out, he says, Cain, why is this act of justice angering you? Can I ask some of you a question? Why does talks of justice anger you? If you're angry, as the Lord said, then sin must lie at your door. I'm going to let y'all deal with that on your own. I'm going to keep moving. Amen. (laughs) Now, for those of us who feel like this should be obvious, The fruit of the American church proves that it's not. I wish I had time to tell you over seven years of pastoring Radiant Church that everything's been hunky-dory and wonderful and there's been no drama and it's been wonderful and it's just been a kumbaya experience and we've all come together and worked out our issues. No. I I, I hate to uh, 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 bust that bubble, but I can't tell you how hard it has been as a black man pastoring a multi-ethnic church, discipling Christians to understand you cannot separate Jesus from justice. And you all, the absence of justice and mercy is what keeps the church divided. And can I encourage you all there uh, uh, as I feel like I'm in a unique space to say this. you all It's not just hard for me, but it's hard for Pastor Peter. Trying to please everybody. You got people who are conservative who want you to slow down, and you got the progressive people who think you're going too slow, and you're trying to pass to everybody and you're constantly in this catch-22. You're too slow for one group. You're too fast for another. And ain't none of these sheep consulting if God is leading what they're pulling us apart on oh and you get tired and if i could be honest with you oh my goodness i can't tell you how many times i've said maybe i should just go work somewhere else (laughs) this headache and stress that's how you gotta know pastoring It's not just some gig or some job you pick up. How many of y'all know this is a calling by God himself? The church has always been divided on justice and mercy. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Because if we're honest, we love mercy. We can talk about mercy all day long. But are we doing justice? Mm. Y'all remember the story of Moses, right? Uh, When he was born, uh, Pharaoh uh, was trying to kill all the uh, uh, male-born Jewish uh, uh, babies uh, two years uh, younger to stop what he was feeling like was growing the Jewish uh, nation bigger than the Egyptian nation. Y'all remember this story? Uh, Moses' mom uh, got the bright idea she was going to save her baby by putting him in a waterproof basket Sending him down the Nile River And hoping for the best How many of y'all know that's a bad situation When your only solution Is to put your newborn baby In a basket Throw it in the river And hope for the best But we know the story Uh, Of all people God sovereignly sees to it That it was Pharaoh's daughter The princess of the house That finds this baby Pulls the baby out of the water takes this baby as her own. You know what that act is of her taking the baby out of the water and treating that baby as her own? That's mercy. We love mercy. We love rescuing the underserved. We love rescuing those who are not privileged while we're in our privilege. We love writing checks and how can we just give out of our convenience? But you know what justice would have been? Justice would have been Why is there a baby in the water in the first place? (laughs) Why is there a system that has people putting babies in water? That's doing justice. It's not one over the other. God says they go hand in hand. Love mercy, do justice. We have to do justice and we have to love mercy. Can you type amen? You all, in order for the church to truly love Jesus, We have to do justice, and we also have to love mercy. For my people of color, I confess with you, as a black man, mercy can be hard to give, especially in today's climate. Can I talk to some real people? But family, just as we are challenged for those who are deprived of doing it, just as we are challenged and encouraged and reminded that we need to do justice, we need to be reminded that we are to love mercy. God, I feel your spirit in this place. Listen, notice that loving mercy does not mean the absence of seeking justice. It just means, may we follow the Jesus, watch this, who was a dark-skinned, brown melanin Jew from the hood who was wrongly murdered by the authorities or cops of his time. It was this same Jesus that we follow who also said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Family, we need the Holy Spirit to give us strength as MLK once wrote, in the strength to love and the courage to do justice. We need our white brothers and sisters to no longer allow your privilege to keep you indifferent. Can you type amen? Last point before we make our final dissent. Um, when we love well, we will be well. Hallelujah. Number one. Do we know what love is? Number two, love does not separate Jesus from justice. And finally, when we love well, we will be well. Family, in our text in John, Jesus tells us there is blessing for those who love him. In other words, we are encouraged to know when we love well, we will be well. Those who love Jesus by keeping his commands will receive the ultimate ally, Jesus tells us in John 14, the ally and the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit. He says those who love Jesus, those who love the Father, that those who love Jesus, rather, the Father will love them and they will make their home with them. Jesus speaks to our troubled hearts. He says the advocate, the paraclete, uh, he gives to those who love him. And God will give us his shalom or his peace. Jesus said, I don't give peace as the world gives it. Jesus's peace is different than the world because when Jesus gives us peace, listen to me clearly, he is giving himself. Jesus is saying, I am laying down my life. I am laying down my privilege so that you can rise and find well-being and find life abundantly and share in an everlasting communion with me and the Father. Now, church, I don't know about you, but I need the author of peace, <laughs> the one who is himself peace, the prince of peace. To give me peace before I go pick up a piece. Some of y'all will get that after the sermon. Y'all don't get me. <laughs> Can I talk to some real people? I need the prince of peace to give me peace before I go pick up a piece. Woo! The old prophets in, in 1980 hip hop said, It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going. Well, y'all know the rest of it. <laughs> Family real talk. Those who love well will be well Mm. because the peace of God that he gives will heal the brokenness, bring justice and establish the order and life of God. Jesus's peace is full of power and it is full of life. Family, even as we cry out how long, Lord, we can hold on to the hope of this peace, this peace. It's better than what the world has to offer. Watch this, because the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. You all, I'm done. And before I pray, um, I, I, I wanna just uh, share that a part of uh, my sermon title, LMDJ, uh, is directly connected to our denomination, uh, the Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, where we have a department, a literal department in our denomination called Love, Mercy, and Do Justice. And in this season, uh, one of the reasons why I'm proud to be a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church is these uh, six Ps, if you will, that is literally shaping um, uh, the unity around our denomination, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your uh, uh a financial situation, no matter your gender, that we all come around these six P's. And one of the P's that I'm most proud of and I think is so true uh, in this time is the call of practicing solidarity. That we embody uh, what is said, I believe in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 12, 26, that if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. And if one rejoices, we're all having a praise party. It's about solidarity. It's about empathizing and engaging with empathy, the narrative of others, even if it is not your own personal journey or experience. You all, we need allies. We need people to practice solidarity. Let me be honest with you. African-Americans make up 15% of this nation's population. So we need allies to practice solidarity. But let me be very clear, if it's just us for justice, God shows us through his word saying through the example of a brother named Gideon in the Old Testament that God has a track record of taking a remnant of people and getting the victory. I want to encourage you. This is not the time to be on the wrong side of history, and this is not the time to be on the wrong side of God's word. You all, we need justice both outside and within the church. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. New community is not perfect. Radiant Covenant Church is not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect church, but I wanna tell you as I close, how grateful I am to pastor a multi-ethnic church without having to feel like I have to compromise being black. This happens in so many spaces. And I wanna just say, and Pastor Peter didn't tell me to say this and he didn't know I was gonna say this, but I just know from my experience there and I know what it's like to pastor a multi-ethnic church as a person of color. May we stop and pause And recognize the weight that is on the spirits and minds of pastors of color, pastoring multi-ethnic communities. And oftentimes, whether intentional or unintentional, most of the time it's unintentional, but you all will create spaces where it's comfortable for everybody to be themselves except the pastor. It's comfortable for you to be human. It's comfortable for you to have a Psalms 137 moment. But as soon as we do, we get the long emails of why you're leaving. (laughs) As soon as we speak up for justice, we get the emails. So I want us to check ourselves. And I want you to feel the challenge. And I want you to feel the offense. Because half the time, the reason why the church can't be the church is because of the church people. Let me move. All right. I love everybody. You all, we validate our love for Jesus through following his command to walk humbly, to love mercy, and do justice. Let us Gracious God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord God, we truly do love you and we thank you. Dare I say we thank you that you have made it crystal clear what your love language is. You do not get impressed with uh, offerings or sacrifices or good talk. You said what is good to you. Is for us to love mercy, do justice, and walk humbly before you. Help us to love you like we've never loved you before, from today and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, in the church typed Amen. God bless you, Newcom. It's your boy, PMT.